I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson alongside Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress here inside our studios. Good phone calls already to start the show from James and Matt. If you want to call in, you could do that on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. Your thoughts are also welcome. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message at Sports Call AU, and if you haven't done so, give us a follow. Follow us on those platforms as well. All right, let's do this as we get set to bring in uh, a guest of the program. Eric Zweig will join the show at 415, an author who's got a new book out that we'll preview and discuss a little bit later in the show. But what we need to do right now, we do it each and every day. Let's celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports here today. It is July 28th of 2022, and Brooks Childress, you have the honors. All right. All right. All right. Birthdays. Birthdays. Turning 45 years Birth. old today, there's a former NBA shooting guard and current special advisor for the San Antonio Spurs, Manu Ginobili, turning 45 years old. What a player. Drafted in the second round of the 1999 NBA draft by the Spurs. Four-time NBA champion, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA Sixth Man of the Year, and is number 20. He's been retired by the Spurs. Manu Ginobili, turning 45 years old. Didn't he catch a bat one time? That was epic, and it was on Halloween. Was it? It was on Halloween in one of his last seasons in his career. Like in the, like in in the, arena, the, in the arena. Yeah, that's the and word. And just knocked it down, swatted yeah. it down craziness that's nuts yeah i immediately went to really um, cool a wooden bat and i was like all right well that's kind of impressive right but then i was starting to think when y'all kept going why was there a wooden bat flying through the air in the basketball arena the uh it was an animal yeah an animal uh turning 24 years old today is a current nba point guard for the dallas mavericks frank nilikina is that that's right yes nilikina nilikina yeah you did it Happy birthday, Frank. You gave me a pronunciation guide, and I just wanted to make sure I was saying it right. Drafted eighth overall in the 2017 NBA draft by the New York Knicks. He's a two-time pro A best young player. A FIBA Europe under-18 championship in maybe in 2016. Frank, turning 24 years old today. And just go by Frank. Just Frank. Just call him Frankie. Turning 28 years old is a current MLB pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Walker Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. Turning 28. Bueller. Made his MLB debut in 2017 for the Dodgers, a two-time All-Star World Series champion in 2020, asterisk. All-MLB first-teamer in 2021, pitched a combined no-hitter on May the 4th, 2018. Okay. Star Wars. I wonder if he's a Star Wars fan. Star Wars. So Walker Bueller turning 28 years old today. Turning 44 years old today is former NFL linebacker Julian Peterson. He's drafted 16th overall in the 2000 NFL Draft by the San Francisco 49ers out of Michigan State. Goes to Sparty. He's a first-team All-Pro in 2003, second-team All-Pro in 2002, and a five-time Pro Bowler. Julian Peterson turning 44 years old today. Happy birthday. I don't remember him that well. Not really either. I remember the name, but it's like, it's kind of weird when you hear these West Coast teams. Because, you know, you, you just don't ever see him over here. Yeah, right. A lot of, the, a lot of these Good West point. Coast teams. 
And then finally, like London Fletcher, turning 45 years old today. This is added on. I'm a little loopy. I'm sorry. Is Mike Elko? It's the current Duke football head coach, about to start his first season up there in Durham. It's Texas A&M defensive coordinator for four years. Jimbo uh, needs a new defensive coordinator this season. Notre Dame defensive coordinator for one season, 2017, and a Wake Forest defensive coordinator for three seasons. Finally getting so, his opportunity to be a head coach. So Mike Elko starting his first year with the Blue Devils following the uh, resignation of David Cutcliffe. That's right. Who was on Sports Call last week. He was. So Mike Elko turning 45. Julian Peterson turning 44. Manu Ginobili also turning 45 years old today. Walker Bueller turning 28. And Frank Nilikina turning 24 years old. Happy birthday to all of them. And of course, if it's your birthday, happy birthday to you I'm as well. I'm older than Frankie. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to add is you take About a look at our, our birthdays today. You've got Manu Ginobili, who's likely going to be a Hall of Famer for how good his basketball career was. And then Mike Elko is also 45 years old. Yes. They've what had it, completely different lives, like a, a brilliant defensive mind in the sport and Mike Elko and then Manu Ginobili, same age. We just know him from what he was able to do as an athlete and not as a coach. I was going to say, we, Manu Ginobili is like going out of our sports vision because he's you know semi-retired and he just works as a special assistant now. He doesn't play. And Mike Elko's kind of finally coming full front and center as he's an FBS head coach. Right. <laughs> exactly. Same Crazy how life works. Yeah. You would tend to think that a guy who's been a defensive coordinator for forever and is now a head coach is older than a guy who retired from basketball, what, six or seven years ago? Yeah. So, you know, for them to be the same age, it's weird. I guess that's kind of, that speaks to the longevity of certain sports and the briefness of others. Let's go to our uh, social media page here. Again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at SportsCallAU. And we've got a question submitted from Austin. Hi, I'd like to submit a question to the crew. First and foremost, what are the top priority needs at the trade deadline for the Thunder Chickens? Second and far less important, what are the top potential names at the trade deadline for the Atlanta Braves. Who wants to take this one? All right. Well, Thunder Chickens, I'll go ahead and say it. We need pitching. Thund- need, Thunder need Chickens pitching. are selling. I'll say that. We're selling at the deadline. We're going to punt we and anything? come back next year. Do we have anything to sell? That's a good point. Well, yeah. <laughs> do we have anything? Don't make well. me feel bad, Brooks. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. We need I mean, we need a better hitting. Our defense has a couple of holes that we need to shore up. And uh, starting pitching could stand to be better as well. So and I said that that would be my biggest one is uh, the the starters getting a, getting a new starter in there. Not I, I thought you said like getting a new starters is in starting pitching and starting lineup and starting defense. No, well that too. But like the um, like the whole team, the whole really the whole team really is starting pitching. Not to say anything because I'm sitting in the room with both of our starting pitchers. <laughs> but I'm just saying like if we could get some more strikes over the plate. There's well, here's the problem. When, when you throw a strike I, over the plate in slow-pitch softball, it tends to get hit pretty correct. hard, there's, there's some guys which is the can, goal. But there's some guys out there that you you get out there, and they can spin it a little bit, and they're like, they've been in the league for a, quite a few years. They know the ins and outs. Of there the, was the one pitching. dude, I can't, I don't know what team he plays for, but he was out there, and like he had like headgear on, and he was like throwing deep pitches, and he was like stopping and starting, and I was like, I didn't know you could balk in this league, but all right. So, they, they I, do I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could trade... Who's our best player? It's probably our best player. Yeah, probably either Van or Noah. Van. Van, Van or we Noah. We trade our best player for. We trade Van and then like one or two other players. Probably me or JJ for a starting pitcher who is better than me and JJ, 
uh, and a couple of players that are not as good as Van but could shore up the holes. What if we just trade cash considerations for a new pitcher? We don't have money. I can give you $2. We don't have money. We got to do something. Yeah. Is uh, what we're saying here. Yes. Also, Austin saying that he hears the second base is on lock and not at all for sale, but he may test free agency. Yeah, I was about to say. If the, we have players the, start testing free agency, we are really in didn't, trouble. I, didn't we have we a player like, really leave? Tr- we had two players leave. Two players leaving free agency I, for other teams. I did at our, our last game on Tuesday night, I did ask our starting second baseman now that he is. Uh, now that there is another team in the league affiliated with where he works, I, I asked if he was going to be um, testing those waters, and he said he, he didn't give me an answer yes or no if he was going to be uh, sticking around. I, I'll believe it when I see it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying, they've got nicer uniforms. Yeah, they do. Uh, so we'll up our uniform game. That, uh, I've made that promise. He, Look, it's more of a financial commitment for our franchise uh, and, and four members, but we can make that happen. We definitely need some upgrades. So we'll see what that takes place. All right, what about the Braves, though? In the all Braves. seriousness, a trade last night in Major League Baseball. Andrew Benintendi was traded from the Kansas City Royals to the New York Yankees. Benintendi won a World Series with the Boston Red Sox in 2018. He was a starting outfielder alongside Mookie Betts in a World Series champion-winning Red Sox team. Benintendi then went and played for the Kansas City Royals, and they traded him because the Royals are lousy. They're trying to get some return, and the Yankees acquired him. So that was kind of the first big deadline move that we saw with Andrew Benintendi, a left-handed bat out there being traded. For the Braves, I think it's a right-handed hitter is kind of what the Braves are in pursuit of now that we know Austin Duvall is lost for the year. Adam Duvall, but yes, yeah, absolutely. Did I say Austin You yeah. said Austin Duvall. Well, that's our second baseman, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I've I think... I've never uh, done that before. You think Austin will be flattered by that? Austin, I don't... Better question, is Adam Duvall flattered by that? Probably not. Adam Duvall was flattened by the wall, uh, and that's why he's <laughs> out for the season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think you need another outfielder um, because you need somebody who can play defense because... Yes, you have Marcelo Zuna, but you don't want Marcelo Zuna in the outfield. He's a decent enough hitter, but, man, you get him out in, in, in left field, and it's, it's a tragedy. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think you need another right-handed outfielder who can hit pretty well, has good power numbers. Uh, and I think you're also looking for starting pitching. Uh, Ian Anderson has not been sharp this year, uh, and Charlie Morton has been hit or miss. So you're, you're okay with one of those guys kind of being at the back of your lineup. I think Charlie Morton has a chance to be really good this year. I think he can really ride the ship. I think you can argue he has righted the ship for the most part. It's just writing uh, it consistently and not uh, going more off track. But, yeah, Ian Anderson, I, while I'm not willing to give up on him, I think it's time to send him back down to Gwinnett and bring in another arm. And you might look at guys from the minor leagues. Like I think Kyle Muller has had a really good season. Um, Waskar Enoa also with Gwinnett, but he's had a not very good year. His ERA is up over four, I think I saw uh, a couple weeks ago. So you're not going to call him up. But you might call up Kyle Muller. Um, who is, where's Bryce Elder? Does anybody know where Bryce Elder is at this point? Speaking of, speaking of starting pitching, I haven't thought of Bryce Elder in quite some time, but that's a great question. I, I saw Let his name research. as like a like a potential trade bait, you know. And you might sling in a couple of those guys. The problem with the Braves being where they are um, in in trade market considerations and stuff like that is that you've pretty much depleted the farm system. Every big name player in your farm system is currently with the Atlanta Braves or 
has been shipped off for guys like Matt Olson. I mean, the, the your your last two big big bargaining pieces were Drew Waters and uh, Shea Langoliers, and they're both uh, in the Athletics organization now because you needed a big lefty first baseman, and you got one, and certainly that trade was worth it. But now you don't you don't have a whole lot of pieces to operate with. So anybody that you trade away is that's going to be a big name is going to be somebody who is contributing right now. Um, I honestly, I thought the Braves were going to go after Ben Intendi, but the Yankees got to him first because they have a better minor league system at the moment, and they actually traded three pitchers for him, which was interesting. But I, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I wanted Ben Intendi, but it, it didn't fall through. So and now you're hearing that the Yankees are trying to trade away Joey Gallo because that's who Ben Intendi was uh, meant to replace for them. So you might see the Braves go after Joey Gallo, and maybe they get lucky like they did last year. Remember. Uh, Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall were not having great years, and then they came to the Braves at the trade deadline, and they exploded a little bit. So you never know what might happen, but I definitely am with you. I think the Braves are going for a right-handed outfielder and starting pitching. Back at the start of May, Bryce Elder was optioned to Gwinnett, uh, where he currently is at with the Gwinnett Stripers, and has a 4.76 ERA 5-4 record on the year. Yikes. Yeah. Brooks, I was going to say just like you said, uh, Brant. We've talked to Kevin McAlpin over the last you know couple weeks, and once we started getting closer to this trade deadline, we started asking him a few of those questions. He 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 was on the before this was obviously before the Adam Duvall injury, so he was on the getting another veteran starter in there. And you know you've seen Ian Anderson has had some struggles this year. Charlie Morton's had a few struggles this year. Uh, they've been up and down a little bit in the starting rotation. So would not be shocked if the Braves go after a starting pitcher. But as you both said, with the Adam Duvall injury. Uh, that opens up a whole new world of possibilities where they're going to look for. And Buster only reported earlier today that uh, rival executives uh, report that the Braves are looking for a right-handed hitter to effectively replace Adam Duvall on the roster. Um, I saw on Twitter earlier that the Yankees were getting close to um, trading Joey Gallo, that the Braves, Padres, and Rangers were the three teams in looking you know, on the strongest contention for them. As of right now, or as of an hour ago when they released the starting lineup, uh, Joey Gallo was still listed as a starter tonight for the New York Yankees, and so don't know any more possibilities with that. But um, Buster only yeah, gave, they're starting him and Benintendi in the same outfield. The uh, but um, Buster only earlier today tweeted several options uh, for the Braves is Ian Happ, who's hitting three forty six versus lefties. He's a switch hitter and was removed from the game yesterday for the Cubs. He and Contreras were both removed. Likely meaning they could be dealt yeah. at the deadline. Uh, Ramon Laureano uh, is also hitting 262 versus lefties. And then Rob Refschneider, who is mashing 422 against lefties in 50 plate appearances this year. Those are the three names that Buster Olney from ESPN yeah. has thrown out there as guys that the Braves could be looking at to add at the deadline. I saw you know, the Gallo news a little bit, which makes zero sense yeah. because he's left-handed. Um, and that's well, not... you can never have a left lefties in your lineup, I what, don't think. It's... I think we've seen what Joey Gallo is, and I'm, yeah. I'm not yeah. really interested. I'm, I'm with you, but nice reporting. And, and that's what I was saying. You know, like if, if we're looking for a right-handed bat, then yes. Joey Gallo is not. I don't right. care what he well, can be. Like it's he's not right-handed. He's not right-handed. The thing he's the thing about that is like you can always find and a right-hander. Lefties are much more rare, and I would rather have lefties for hitters for if sure. If that's the case, if there is a lefty out there, a team that's also not doing as well as they thought they would be doing this season that has a left-handed bat, 
that Atlanta has been rumored to be interested in, and they should have just signed him this offseason anyway, is Jock Peterson. Very true. Just go get Jock Peterson. Good, Yeah, just run it back with Jock. Bring him back. I would rather have him than Joey Gallo, I think. We're some blankety-blanks. Is what Jock Peterson said. We, the we are series. those. We oh, are those. Sorry. We are those blankety blanks. You can say one of the words. Blankety blanks. Okay. Said it. All right. Mother and then yeah, okay. blankety. I was like, all right. I mean, like, you're. I'm not going to tell you. The line. I'm not going to tell you what to say on the right. radio. You right. know? Well, we are those. <laughs> we are those, mother. Yeah. Blankety blanks. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Who was it? It was Joe Simpson, I think, uh, in the Braves victory parade. It was like. I'm going to get in trouble if I say it. It was like at the ballpark, and he was speaking into a microphone to the crowd, and he's like, I'm going to get in trouble if I say it, so I'm going to start it, and I want the crowd to finish it. He goes, we are those, and then really? the crowd shouted it I back. I yeah. find video of that. That it is was epic. awesome. It was so good. That is epic. Go Braves. I was, uh, Go Braves. I was very, very happy with Joe Simpson. He was having a great time. I'm pre- Again, I'm at pretty sure it was Joe Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was enjoying himself he's a braves legend in the broadcast booth we love, love listening love to love the uh love the braves radio crew you can listen to on 6 of the fan in the atlanta area in the atlanta 1230 area 1238 WAUD. Yeah. excuse me yeah. <laughs> <coughs> if you go to the ball game and you uh yeah, lose, yeah, yeah. lose our signal there no kidding yeah because that does not reach to atlanta right Again, hit us up, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at SportsCallAU. You can call us, 334-887-3401. Yeah. So, so I usually listen to the Braves. The reason I got that mixed up is that I usually do listen to the Braves. And when I'm in my car, I will be listening to 1230 WAUD for the Braves. But when I get out of the car, you know, we don't stream the Braves games because we can't. Um and so I will listen to 680 The Fan. They, they have the app, and I have the app right. on my phone. I usually listen on that. So that's how I always get that confused. There you go. Um, any other names that we're seeing out there that possibly could be traded at the deadline? Shohei Otani. Contreras is the big say, one. <laughs> anybody or just like we're looking at the Braves? I, I want to go away from okay. we've, we've touched on the Braves well, you, a little you bit. You mentioned Wilson Contreras with right. the Cubs. He got pulled yesterday. Yeah. And the Padres are a team. I was looking at this uh, the ESPN article that has all the MLB trade updates. The Padres are a guy that could be looking at both Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras, um, along with the Nationals, as they're still shopping Juan Soto. You still have could have Juan Soto get moved. That's true. Um, you don't know what's going to happen there. Um, the Reds, you could have Luis Castillo get moved if the Reds want to sell uh, here at the deadline, and they are, uh, you know, not not a great team, so they could be selling. And that's something. No, you know, they I, are not sidebar yesterday we were watching i think it was the brewers and the twins and they put up like the top five teams of of teams with ops top five ops teams with runners in scoring position it was the brewers the yankees the guardians um there was one other team i uh, don't the giants. remember who it is i remember who you're talking about used to the guardians the giants and then the reds were up there so four pretty decent teams and then the reds somehow are, are that good do um, well with runners in scoring position I guess they just don't get those runners in scoring yeah, position. That's the issue. They don't get a whole lot of opportunity. Yeah, it's pretty easy to figure out that stat. Hey, they're pretty good at getting them uh, doing well with runners in scoring position. Here's the problem: they don't get in those spots. Yeah. When when somebody gets a hit, a couple of people get hits. Right. But it's just <laughs> getting hits. Yes. Um, how do you do that? How do you, yeah. you swing swing the bat, baby? I, I was looking the bat. Reading over this more, the Giants could be uh, looking had some guys on the Giants team: Carlos Rondon and Jock Peterson. We mentioned Jock Peterson as a possibility for the Braves. 
Uh, as of Thursday morning, according to Buster Only, the Padres, uh, according to league executives, could be the front runner for the if Juan Soto were to get moved, he would get shipped out west of oh, the Padres. No. Um, the Brewers. Whatever. I mean, it's better than whatever. Yeah. I don't. I'd rather have him not in the NL East. Right. Um, the Brewers could be looking maybe to move Freddie Peralta. Um, let's see. The Cubs have strong interest in. Uh, I used to go to the website MLBTradeRumors.com religiously. That I, I was just years. on there, and I, I used to there go was, there all the time. There was just so and that was many, like the uh, first place where you could get. Some they would aggregate yeah. all of the reporting Great out there. Great word. And now, Great word. Thank you. And now Twitter has kind of done that for them. Yeah. So Jeff Passon. They've taken a step back. Uh, there's but. there's apparently strong interest in the Cubs setup man, Michael Givens. Uh, right now, um, the White Sox and the Phillies are two teams that are looking at it. Um, the Marlins could be a seller here. There's a couple names on here. Jazz Chisholm is out. So you could see... Uh, some guys move there. I, th- I think I've, I've seen Solaire's name thrown around a little bit, but I don't know how much of that is uh, is uh, factual. But the big one, as we said, Juan Soto, he could get moved here before the deadline is done. And we're basically Tuesday. at the hours countdown, like hours yep. away at this point from uh, Major League Baseball's trade deadline. Some days and some hours if you want to do it, but yeah. you know, I've got this thought. If you want to count from like Five days hours. or less... I kind of think to do the, the. I don't think you go hours until you're less than 24. Really? I, I don't. 48 hours. What about I, I can understand 48. I, and then why would you not go 96? That's three days. That's three days. And then why would you not go 120? That's what I'm saying. All 120 right. and down. Okay. Anyway, right. first hour of our show has come to a close alongside Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. I'm JJ Jackson. You're free. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. We hope that you are doing well on this Thursday. Coming up here in just a few moments, Eric Zweig will be a part of the show. Looking forward to chatting with him on the program. There's a new book out called It's a Numbers Game, Football. As National Geographic Kids and ESPN got together, we recorded the interview a little bit earlier today. Really fun stuff, and that conversation's coming your way here in just a few moments. 
Auburn picked up a commitment yesterday from Wilkie Denod. He is the fifth commitment for the class of 2023 for Auburn football. And as we said a little bit earlier, guys, we are now 37 days away from Auburn football against the Mercer Bears. 37 days away. It is getting here pretty quickly and that's really exciting because uh, we're about tired of all this off-season chatter and discussion at the end of next week fall camp opens up so we'll get some new fresh content to discuss but uh, yeah I'm, I'm thrilled for for football season to be right around the corner yeah it's the best time of year yeah it's uh it is one of the great best times of the year as you said Brant. um it's it's refreshing to get to off-season talk because it's like, all right, fine, we can relax for a little bit. But then, you know, you get into a couple months of it, you're like, all right, now ready for the season to get going. But I'll tell you what, once we get to that season going, and it's like, well – you you got to start. It's going to be a million miles an hour. You start you start Always the is. you got to start the sword fight again of uh, talk show hosts with callers and trying to back people off the rationale. edge. Rationale, yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> rationale. And then we kind of venture into it a little bit where something goes wrong and we say, oh well, this needs to change. And it's like, well, you got to. We're not a football coach, so we can't make this change. But it's it's the dance that we love to do every single year, especially we love dancing. And yeah, I mean, we're two good step. at it. <laughs> <laughs> question mark samba salsa whatever your forte is uh bermuda the macarena come, come on pretty mama. mama all right that's where i thought you were headed I'm to sorry. the cocoa I, I was not going the beach boys route <laughs> um but yeah it's it's kokomo the, indiana <laughs> it, brandon beachy was from kokomo indiana wasn't he or no was it eric o'flaherty a great question one Let of those do two the research because <laughs> that's so random i haven't thought about brandon beachy in a while but he was yeah. really, he had some good seasons well, for the braves we went back going back to the braves radio network they would always call him the kokomo kid because he was from kokomo he indiana the, he is the kokomo kid brandon yeah. beachy brandon yeah. beachy that's a starter you want to know something else that's wild in all of this what i just pulled this up brandon beachy was born on september 3rd 1986 so he's set to turn 36 this year mm. and september 3rd is the first game of the auburn football season that we are 37 days away from which, to which we were saying at this point we're um, ready to talk about football games and then we got into the beach boy phase as my fortune cookie at lunch today said it was inevitable right that we would circle Get back, back that way yeah all right i uh, love football yeah, football's almost here. And we get Vanderbilt football before Auburn football, too. A Yay. week before. Yay. Against Hawaii. Yeah. Against Hawaii. Isn't it exciting? It is exciting. I'm certainly excited for it. Are you excited, Brant, for I'll, Vanderbilt football? I'll watch it. You're darn right you will. I'll watch fo- I'll watch any football game that's on, but what, dang it, I'll get excited about What game are you least excited other for teams. in the week zero? Vanderbilt's football game or Nebraska's football game? I'll say Vandy. Because Nebraska's not great either. I know, but Nebraska I think still, so is a conference. Nebraska game. at least has like history. You know, they've been good before. Oh, yeah. Vanderbilt's best season came when they had like eight wins. So we are. And that on was the, the worst Georgia team in modern memory. We're on the verge of the season getting started. And, Remember and when Vanderbilt beat Georgia? That last was so week we had SEC media days. We had the voting for predicted order of finish and then all SEC teams. I didn't. First, second, and third Mm. team. And when we take a look at those results, we talked quarterbacks a little bit last week. Bryce Young, first team. Hendon Hooker, second team. Quarterback Will Levis, third team. 
Looking at the other skill position, guys. First team running backs in the league, Tank Bigsby of Auburn, Jameer Gibbs of Alabama. Second team running backs, Chris Rodriguez Jr. of Kentucky and Devin Onshane of Texas A&M. And then third team running backs, Zach Evans of Ole Miss, Kenny McIntosh of Georgia. At the wide receiver spot, taking a look at first team wideouts, Kayshawn Butte of LSU, Jermaine Burton of Alabama, You've got Cedric Tillman of Tennessee and Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss as your second team wide receivers. And then Anaya Smith of Texas A&M and Josh Van of South Carolina, third team wideouts. And then finally tight ends, Brock Bowers at Georgia, first team tight end for the Bulldogs. Uh, Cameron Latu at Alabama is second team tight end. And Jaheim Bell at South Carolina is the third team tight end. Any of those skill position guys or those rankings or anything jump out to you guys there i just sitting here i might put chris rodriguez as maybe the best running back in the sec obviously i'm biased towards tank and jameer gibbs is going to be a freak because he was at georgia tech and now he's on a much better team that's going to utilize him better but i i think uh i think chris rodriguez is better than second team all sec but uh other than that yeah that all makes sense to me i think brooks what is the or, or brant even there's some holdup right I know now some with stuff. With, uh, with Chris Rodriguez Jr. Is there? And a possible suspension coming or really? something like that. I what have is not the heard talk that. in Kentucky? Um, I'm trying to refresh my memory as well. Because I know the, the kid from Texas A&M, the wide receiver who was supposed to be really good, was supposed to be at their media days. Correct. Anaya Smith. Yeah, Anaya Smith. He got busted. Um, he was uh, may arrest on DUI charges. That's right. Okay. And it doesn't God, seem... May, stop being stupid. So I he, maybe he was, he was no back, punishment is coming. According to the Courier-Journal out of, I guess, Kentucky, uh, the Louisville Courier... Makes sense. Louisville Courier-Journal... Courier one week ago, the Kentucky football star senior running back Chris Rodriguez is working out with the team. This was last week following a May DUI char- uh, arrest on DUI charges. Uh, his coach is not ready to share any updates about Rodriguez's status with the 2022 season, though. So uh, they've asked um, Stoops about it, and he's not shared any updates. But it, it, was in, uh, it was in May he was arrested on DUI. So maybe we're moving forward. Maybe. All right. He is good, though. He's, he's very he's good. really good. He's but very, very good. Also, um, Rodriguez was one of 14 players featured on the 2022 season promotional poster that was released by Kentucky that last week. So, so yeah, I think they're. I think they're, everything's if, okay. You have to say, if anything, he's going to be suspended for like a game or maybe a half or something. Maybe yeah. they already did internal maybe, punishments maybe that we're yeah. not aware of, and that was taking – I just know that was a little bit – a minor yeah. talking point last week at Media Days that I guess was not resolved. I totally forgot. I totally missed all that. I never yeah. knew that. Um, Wandell Robinson was kind of their do-it-all every piece on offense last year for Kentucky mm-hmm. so with Levis back and Chris Rodriguez Jr. there uh, in the mix I think he's bound to have a good season Jameer Gibbs at Alabama coming over from Georgia Tech how about that and Jermaine Burton I mean he's a Georgia guy that you saw in the SEC and now playing for the Crimson Tide but two transfers right there featured in the first team skill position spots yeah going from Georgia to Alabama is something of a question mark move but all right I don't know I, I after you just no, beat the team yeah no love lost uh, for me I don't think uh, but yeah, Alabama, they're good, and they will be good as long as Saban is there, and they'll probably be good for a long time after that because they'll get anybody they want to hire. So, I don't know. Alabama being really good is something I'm just used to at this yeah. point. Brooks, give me a thought on first, second, and third team at the skill positions. Um, I think it's uh, – on for both offense and defense, I, just, or I think it's good that Auburn got at least one guy on both sides of the ball. You had Tank Bigsby at the running back, and you had Derek Hall at the, at the defensive end. 
Uh, I really. I, was Colby Wood not first team? Uh, defense? Yeah. No. No. Not. Second team. Second yeah. team. Okay. Um, I think you look at it acceptable, and that you know, as expected, the the second or the first team defense is just littered, and especially in the secondary with Alabama players. You got uh, linebackers. You got Anderson and Toe Toe, and then. You've got two DBs uh, from Alabama, Jordan Battle, Eli Ricks. You know, that's nothing that too shocking about on uh, the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Um, I am a little bit surprised that you don't have um, – there wasn't as many votes for um, – who's the Georgia quarterback? Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I'm surprised that Stetson Bennett didn't make third team quarterback – because he's coming off a national championship, but with all the NFL hype coming around Will Levis this year, it's understandable. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, aren't impressed by Stetson, but he's he has, you know, guided them to uh, a lot of success. And now the the quarterback that replaced him, that he then replaced, is now off in the Big Twelve. You know, saying "Let's ride" with the the West Virginia Mountaineers. <laughs> have you have you all seen those compilation videos of all the the let's the the quarterbacks saying "Let's ride" or all the star players saying "Let's ride"? It's so funny to me. Mimicking Russell Wilson for yeah. for those unaware, those are creative and uh, yeah, you get a good chuckle. Are they? Out of those. I thought they were like. Is it Marcel Wilson who started it first? Russell Wilson did it first, but I don't think anybody's making fun of him. I think these are just They're like just promotional promotional videos things. And they got the idea look, from... I, people have been saying, let's ride before Russell Wilson. But I don't know that it, there was as big of a social media push until Russell Wilson did this a little bit earlier this offseason. I don't know. Russell Wilson's a dork. He's really good at football, but he's a dork. Last year, were you seeing let's ride videos like this? Yeah. Like this? Not like this, yeah. because people weren't compiling them on such a mass scale right okay and like this is just a hype video thing like i'm pretty sure all of the the let's ride is going to be used in like tunnel videos and stuff like that sure that's yeah. my that's my take on the matter um speaking of uh i don't know how to transition here we've got to take a break okay. we've got to take a break speaking of let's ride and let's ride into a break let's right ride here. into a break there, there we go that's let's what i'm ride. looking for uh, on the other side of this timeout eric zweig joins the show a new book coming out. We tell you about it next here on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM in the Auburn and Opelika area. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry and honored to go to our phone lines today and bring on a very special guest. Eric Zweig is a sports writer with a brand new book out as National Geographic Kids and ESPN have teamed up to create the book. It's a numbers game, football, teaching kids the way that digits and math factor into football from countless statistics used to measure an individual player performance to the numbers used in defensive formations and a whole lot more. So let's welcome in Eric into our program. The time is greatly appreciated, and, and what a fun book you've got here, Eric. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for talking to me, and I'm glad you're, uh, you like the book. 
No kidding. It's it's really fun to sort of uh, reflect back on our youth and learning sports to a variety of different ways and how numbers uh, were impacted by that and how they helped us uh, become better math students. Here we are in an everyday sports talking profession, and we're giving numbers out all the time. I mean, tell us a little bit more about the idea of making this book happen. Well, that was that was what I thought too you know like numbers the, the obvious part in football i mean this is a a, a a series of books they have there's been a basketball uh baseball and and soccer already and now football i'm not sure why it took them so long to get to football but for me it was like the, the more obvious numbers were the easy attraction that you know i mean you look at a football field there's great big numbers on the on the field you look at a football player the the numbers on their sweaters are bigger than they are in any other sport um, we add up the yardage that guys have run for or, or passed for, and that seemed like the obvious math, and that was because I'm, I'm not much of a math guy, though it's funny that I've said to a few people in some of these interviews today, you know, I think I still have the seven times tables down better than anything else in multiplication, basically from football scores. It was interesting to dig in a little more and try and find some of the kind of more hidden math and, and science and try and tell those stories because, as I say, I'm not really a math and science guy. Isn't that funny, though? We were we were talking about kind of our math days and how it related to football, and you get to the multiplication stage of life, and any time that the sevens came up, we were great. We were absolutely yeah, great yeah. because we knew <laughs> the touchdown math that was set to take place. Yeah, that's how I feel too. <laughs> that's that's how I learned to multiply. Seven, fourteen, twenty-one, twenty-eight. Throw in a field goal. I'm I'm from Canada, so you know Canadian football has single points too. So the numbers can get a little crazier. But basically, the seven times table that was that was that was the important thing that I learned from math from football. But as I say, like in the the book, Patrick Mahomes has written the introduction to the book, and he talks about he talks more about numbers than math, but how he's He's always, you know, managing the clock. He's, he's got to know, you know, what do we need for a first down here? How much time and how long a drive if we're going to score a touchdown on this play or this, this drive? Um, so even, even at the highest level, he's thinking math. But I think that a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, anybody, anybody playing NCAA at that level, probably, you know, the top high school kids too. I mean, you have so much more math and science in your brain as a, as a football player, a quarterback particularly, I think, than you're even aware of. Like, these guys aren't dropping back and thinking, hmm, you know, 45-degree angle will get it over this guy and get it this far down the field and, you know, 600 newtons of force. But their bodies are kind of trained to know that. So I think it's I, – I, I find that quite interesting. And the book doesn't even really super get into that. I've been thinking about that as I've been talking about it today. Um, and the other thing that because, you know, as I said, I wasn't much of a math kid – I think if somebody had more pointed out to me the math in sports, I would have been because to me it was always like, what am I going to use this in real life? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna design buildings. I'm not gonna, I don't need the science of this, the angles of that. But if I'd understood more that the sports I love had so much sort of math at their base, because to me like statistics and 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 that didn't even seem like math. It was just fun. It was part of football and baseball. Um, if, if someone had made the connection, I might have been a better math student, but, you know, who knows? 
<laughs> Eric Zweig is joining us here on the show. It's a new book that is out now. It's a numbers game football as National Geographic Kids and ESPN have teamed up. Just a moment ago, you gave away the fact that uh, you are Canadian. However, earlier in our conversation moments ago, you mentioned the fact that there were big giant numbers on sweaters and the fact that you said sweaters as opposed to jerseys. I think yeah. SEC Country picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's funny. Like, I guess sweaters is more a hockey term than jerseys. It is a football jersey. But, uh, yeah, sweaters is kind of my default phrase. <laughs> it's funny the little things that give away Canadians and Americans. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit more about uh, about the opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to be a part of the forward here for this book. Well, that's interesting. That's all on them, right? I mean, National Geographic has tremendous reach. I think if they reach out and ask you, you say yes. Um, and ESPN, I, I've lost track of like if there's an actual like link between the two companies or just because they wanted to do sports book, they, they, they partnered with somebody big in sports. But they did all of that. Like other books I've done for National Geographic, they kind of paired me with uh, uh, the, the, the expert they wanted. Like I did a book for them called Absolute Expert Soccer, and I am definitely not an expert on soccer. But they paired me with an a, a American referee from the Major Soccer League, and, and he does international games, and he was quite helpful. Mahomes, I was always excited that he was, that they told me very early on he was going to be the one, but we had no, we had no interaction. Like he had, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even get a chance to like send him an email and go, hey, I love the forward you wrote, because <laughs> I, I do, but they, they did all that. I can't say, it's not like, oh, I called my good friend Patrick, and he was happy to do it, something like that. Eric, you look at football today, and it seems like these numbers are becoming more and more commonplace. People are using these advanced analytics, and, and you know, very famously, Lane Kiffin has a numbers guy on his sideline that helps him call plays and things like that. Do you think that uh, the numbers game is coming more to the forefront? Do you see that increasing in football? Well, I would think so. I mean, it just it's funny because I've been saying today, like baseball is the obvious one. Like all these new statistics that have come forward in baseball have really changed the way people look at the games, change the way people have scout players, change the way voters vote for the awards at the end of the season. I mean, there's this, the whole reason, you know, like a 300 hitter uh, batting average, it's hardly talked about anymore because we know like, well, he doesn't get a big average, but he draws a lot of walks. He drives in clutch runs. Football, uh, it's funny, I, I, I don't see the obvious underlying numbers in football the way I, I see them in baseball, but you know, I'm sure the football guys are crunching things and if you can get any advantage, right? Like if my numbers guy is better than your numbers guy, it helps me call call the better play here. Um, it's all advantage, and I think there's only going to be more and more of that in, in all sports. I mean, sometimes I feel like it's not to the betterment of sports, but it, it's kind of like there's no turning back. Eric, uh, after writing this book, I, I have to know, you know, you said you weren't really a math guy. I don't think anyone in this studio was really a math guy growing <laughs> up. Is, is there a new number that you discovered in the sport of football that you're like, oh, my gosh, you're going to pay attention to that all football season now? <laughs> That's a good question. But, no, I, I can't say there really is. I, I probably will be more like I used to just think, you know, blocking and tackling was big, strong guys hitting each other as hard as they could. And when I was reading, I think other people have written that have developed like this theories more than I have about how like a, a small guy can block a big guy by knowing you know his center of gravity and attacking him this way and that way. I think I'll be more aware of things when I see them. But no, there isn't like oh I'm watching for that anymore. You know, like I, I'm still I'm old enough that I still kind of rely on the more traditional stuff. Uh, I still it's funny like 
I've always been a big fan of the passing game. The Canadian game is, is very wide open and it's always more of a passing game. Um, and so I've always been a big fan of the big passers, but it's, it's funny to me that it has sort of like the running game is almost a, an afterthought now. And I, I kind of, you know, I like the Earl Campbell's, you know, the guys who just big, strong guy that, you know, he'll run for 200 yards because he'll beat you down. You know, <laughs> that was sort of, I, I kind of miss that in football now, but I still think like I, my brain is kind of set in the time when I grew up. I, I haven't, <laughs> maybe I haven't evolved enough as a sports fan. Eric Zweig here with us on Sports Call in Auburn today. The book is out now. It's a numbers game football from National Geographic Kids and ESPN. And again, the foreword done by Patrick Mahomes. The book is so colorful. It's really fun to flip through with great pictures that you're so accustomed to from National Geographic. I I particularly uh, found it a little interesting looking through special teams, Eric, because uh, we talk kicking and punting all the time. And those are the least heralded positions in the sport. And yet numbers are so critical in what they do. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, again, I guess in Canadian football, there's there's always been more kicking because I guess the three downs for ten, you end up punting more. <laughs> I always liked punters as a kid, um, and and field goals too. Like even when we used to have those those early handheld digital football games, like I like to see like how far will it let me kick field goal from more than you know? Can I drop down and score? So yeah, it was fun to do that stuff. And again, like I certainly learned things a bit. I mean, I always knew that. You know, the Canadian football has a slightly larger T for, and, and the NFL, they, they don't have them, but college football, too. Like, the T and how that just little bit of a fraction of getting you above the grass can reduce the friction and the drag on the ball and, and, and help you kick. I mean, it was, it was all, it was, it was fun. It was neat. It was stuff I hadn't really thought about in, in sports that I've enjoyed for my whole life. Tell us about also at the end of every chapter, you've got these try this activities, which has become such a staple for this format of books. What can what can readers yes. and kids expect in those try this activities? Well, it's funny that that was I think the hardest part for me because you know I'm a writer, I'm a researcher, and I like <laughs> history. Which is why the book has so much history of football, the the, the greats of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and how the game evolved, but the the coming up with the activities was tough, and they wouldn't let me. Like, there's a couple of them that just like, you know, go out and see how fast you can run. Go out and see how far you can kick. It's like, you can't just do that for every chapter. <laughs> so, so we did have to come up with things. One of the more fun ones to come up with, though, with such a simplified version, is I think it's at the end of maybe the first chapter. It's, it's you know, devising your own schedule. Because um, I've always known that the NFL schedule was based on the results of the previous year, like where you finished in your division, and that there was a rotation of, you know, the NFC, this division will place the AFC, that division next year, and it goes on a rotation so that you're always over, over like, a six-year period or whatever it is, you, you see all the teams. Um, but trying to come up with that, like, so we just kind of had, I think I, I used a, an actual season from a handful of years ago, but had to change up because some of the team names have changed. They've moved cities. Um, there's more games now. That was It's funny because the way this book, long time to come out, so oh, we've got to add in a little bit about the 17th game. Right. How does that work in the schedule? Um, but just devising a system that kids would be able to use simply. So, I mean, you can't obviously make a schedule, right? Like the book even says, it's like five NFL executives and a hundred computers to come up with the schedule. Yeah. But there is the basic template of you play this team because you finished there, and you play that team because this is the year you play that conference. 
so it was like, all right, you can't really make a schedule, but figure out based on the season stats we've got here who the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers are playing next season. So that one, that one was a fun one. It's not super mathy, but it does relate to the numbers and the positions. It wasn't like, honestly, God, I'd have just had go out and kick a ball, go out and throw a ball, get your friends, do what you can do. But they didn't let me do that for six six or seven chapters. <laughs> it, it was the one chance you had the opportunity to be a PE teacher, and, and then you have to yeah, be like, wait yeah. a minute, let me get some math yeah, in here. Exactly, i got to be a math teacher again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, the time is so greatly appreciated. Again, uh, congrats on, on this book, and uh, hopefully it's received very well by the public. We certainly enjoyed wow. it. Thank you again for taking time to join us on the show today, Eric. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Eric Zweig joining us here on Sports Call in Auburn. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, this is Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We call ourselves Sports Call. WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. You can listen to the show on the Tiger Communications app while it's live wherever you are. So you don't have to be within our 95.9 FM listening range. Just pull up the app, press Listen Live, and you can also listen to our other radio stations within the Tiger Communications family. Also find us wherever you get your podcasts. That's right, the Sports Call Podcast brought to you by our pals over at Coca-Cola. My name is JJ Jackson with Brant Autry and Brooks Childress. And our thanks again, Eric Zweig, joined us a moment ago on the program. Again, it's a brand new book that you need to know about. It is called It's a Numbers Game Football. Patrick Mahomes wrote the foreword, and uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. Informative. We got copies of the books here at the station that we were able to flip through. Very colorful. I wasn't even aware of the series until we got connected with the publishers, Uh, and uh, I think it is an awesome way because, look, let's be honest. We were sports-obsessed kids ourselves, and any time, I'm not kidding, any time there was a project at school we would always find a way to do it around sports. And I know I'm speaking for you guys, but I also know I'm correct. Absolutely. Absolutely you are. And, and you know, you say grow up sports obsessed. It's interesting having that conversation threw me back to conversations when I was a kid learning football from my dad, who was a football coach. Uh, and, you know, he was an offensive coordinator. He was an offensive guy. And he always, and he always said, it's a numbers game. You know, whenever... <laughs> Whenever there are more people in the box, you throw the ball. Whenever there are fewer people in the box, you run it up the middle. You go where the bad guys are not, is the way he put it to me. And, you know, it, ever since then, the numbers of football keep expanding. And that that kind of brought back those memories. So, yeah, absolutely. Football is a numbers game. And that, that book is a really cool illustration of how deep those numbers can go. Tell me something you enjoyed from that conversation, Brooks. Um, You know, it, it just, you know, you think about all the numbers that go into football and Obviously, you know, like you pointed out, you've got big numbers on the field, but 
you know, you, you think about, you know, having a when you're a football player, you have to think of all these numbers, and you don't even realize you're thinking about, you know, all the different numbers when you're on the field because you're like, we got to get to that yard line. Uh, you know, how many defenders are in the box? How many, uh, wh- how many defenders do I think is going to be dropping back in the coverage? If you're a quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, you're like, how many guys are going to stay in a block? How many guys are going to, you know, run out for the pass? We got to figure out that on, on when you're on the defensive side, and so. There's just there's so many different things that you have to you know mentally run through and you know you don't really even think about doing that you're doing math in that point and yeah. it's just it happens it just automatically in your brain that you're just figuring out the the totals on whatever what is happening on the football field. I I tend to think about like angles you know how many yeah. angle angles is math angles is math that's a weird sentence that's right. but <laughs> but you know uh, how when does a wide receiver break off his route what direction does a wide receiver go to break off his route there's a difference between you know a post and a corner you know or a flag router you know all of those angles have to be different and it's all about uh what angle the wide receiver has to take as an offensive lineman i had to determine what angle am i going to run at to block this guy because he's not going to be where he's standing when i get to him so what angle do i need to take to get to him when he starts running in that direction so uh yeah there's there's so much math involved in football and you never really think about it you don't and uh, i loved our our mutual agreement with eric swig again the author that joined us a moment ago and the book is available wherever you get your books or go to his website <laughs> ericswig.com books available um, wherever you get books wherever that is yeah you know barnes and noble your big bookstores yeah um, I, was a books, I was a books a million guy same um and then barnes and noble kind of took over everything yeah that They're is true. huge um i had a kindle when we were talking about the multiplication tables like it's easy yeah to pick up on sevens because you're sevens doing and touchdown threes. math sevens and threes super easy yeah you're doing touchdown math at that point it's Seven, when they started 14 21 it's and, when they started missing extra points that things got complicated right but even even like what the difference is in those scores right where it's like okay our score in this football game is 42 to 21 how many points is my team down well 42 minus 21 is 21 and 21 is three three touchdowns touchdowns. so So seven times three 21 right i mean it was just it's crazy that we we weren't even processing that at that stage of life Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you're a parent and you're trying to find ways to uh get your kids to enjoy math a little bit more in the classroom this would be something to uh to check out he has that try this activity that um national geographic is so known for in their books at the end of the section and you know one of them is specifically to get outside and there is a try this chapter that is essentially like go outside and run a 40 yard dash time yourself and then compare the times right and that's a way to be active while you're learning but I thought it was funny where Eric's like, I realized I couldn't make all of my try this activities to be physical challenges. Yeah. I did need some that involved a little bit more, hey, pick up a pencil and do some math a little bit. Yeah, or like, I think he was just saying, like, I can't just tell kids to go run 40s for yeah. for however many chapters are in the book. But, you know, yeah, as my, my 40 time was very slow. And so I was very slow. So I had to take better right. angles than the guys who were faster than me. Chapter one done, run a 40. Yeah. Chapter two done, 
Run a run 40. A 40. <laughs> Chapter 3 done. Run a 40. At some point, kids You'll might notice be like, what it is gets, this? It gets slower every time. Yeah. Wait, the more I do this, it kind of, I'm a little bit tired after yeah. the fact. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a, that was a fun conversation. Did y'all, uh, did y'all ever run 40s in high school? Did y'all ever do timed 40s? No. no. Can't say I did. No. I can't say I did. I did a, we, we did as a football team, just kind of like a a thing our coaches did for us in case like anybody wanted to come recruit us they they said well we've got hand time 40s if you want that um no one came recruiting me it's and a numbers, my, my, my 40 time was not impressive it's a numbers game football from national geographic kids and espn teaching kids the way that digits and math factor into football from the countless statistics used to measure an individual player's performance to the numbers used in defensive formations NFL superstar Patrick Mahomes wrote the foreword for this new book explaining how he uses time, numbers, and math to win football games. Time's important, too. How much time is left on the clock? Mm-hmm. How much time do we, you know, your concept of How much of time, time before my offensive urgency, line collapses pace, on top of me? Yeah. Everything is kind of involved there. And yes, yeah. I need to make I, sure I don't get sacked. I interrupted you. Yeah. But I mean, you hear, you hear quarterbacks talk about internal clock all the time because you don't have time. To, you don't have time to uh, to look down at the offensive line and go, okay, my left guard is getting beat. I need to go this way. You kind of have to say, because you have to keep your eyes downfield to see if your receivers are getting open. So, you know, you have that internal clock to tell you when is it time to bail because your offensive line can only hold guys for so long. Kids will read about the most amazing moments in football history and learn about the crazy calculations behind winning plays. They'll discover which NFL team defenses have allowed the fewest points and check out cool graphics that show the angles and different pass patterns. Young readers will enjoy learning about the greatest players in the game's history and finding out fascinating facts, like the price of a Super Bowl commercial. Players and enthusiasts of all levels will enjoy reading about their favorite football stars and learning how numbers are used to enhance the game, such as the math behind the perfect punt. The book also provides lessons for players to practice their skills based on strategies provided. There are specific try this activities at the end of each chapter to get kids actively learning jam-packed with infographics statistics fun facts sports history and tips and activities to improve their own game this book will help kids become a number crunching football pro the book again it's a numbers game football from national geographic kids and espn and our thanks again to eric zweig for joining us on the program a little bit earlier. All right, as we move forward, a few minutes left here in the opening hour of Sports Call today, and we mentioned Patrick Mahomes, second hour of Sports Call today, not the opening hour. Uh, we mentioned Patrick Mahomes writing the foreword for that book. At the NFL level, what's significant this time of year, guys? Training camp training has camp. opened up. We are seeing training camp footage from pretty much every team across the league now at this point. I saw a clip earlier on social media, Patrick Mahomes throwing a pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is not playing for the Packers anymore. He's a wideout for the Chiefs. Juju Smith-Schuster is at training camp wearing Chiefs gear. And then we're seeing like Julio Jones. He's wearing number 85 That's on his weird. jersey That's for weird. the Buccaneers. We're seeing footage of him at their practice. Yeah, Julio Jones wearing 85 is something. But, I mean, he he looks closer to his normal self. And playing for Tampa Bay, I, I think Ryan LaVoy touched on it. As a Falcons fan, it hurts me that he went to another NFC South team. But he's ring-chasing, and I understand that. I'll never fault a guy for saying, I'm near the end of my career. I'm going to take a reduced role to try and win a Super Bowl. Because fact is, he should already have one. Um, he, he and Matt Ryan both should already have their Super Bowl rings. But <laughs> You're going to bring that up. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm just saying, like... 
he's chasing a ring because he doesn't have one. Right. And the fact that he should is, is you know, is upsetting to, to everybody involved in the Falcons organization uh, who, who was a, a fan or player or whatever at that time. But, yeah, I... Julio's going to take a, a smaller role uh, and less money, I assume, and you know he's he's going to be a really good red zone, red zone target for them instead of you know going out there for forty or fifty snaps a game. He's going to be out there for you know fifteen, twenty. He may break thirty every now and then, but he's he's going to take a significantly reduced role. And with all the injury problems he's had, that's a good thing, to, good place to be. Ryan and I were talking about it uh, when that news broke, and I said, man, he's going to have thirty catches, and a third of them are going to be for touchdowns. Because that's just what he's going to be. He's going to he's going to be a red zone target for them, big body and uh, explosive athletes. So while I am uh, certainly sad to see him in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform wearing number eighty five of all numbers, uh, certainly uh, I, I wish him nothing but the best for all that he did for the city of Atlanta. Brooks, any of these opening day training camp headlines that you've come across at all stand out to you? Uh, I mean, I'll I'll chime in with the the Julio Jones news. You you look at that. Tampa Bay offensive weaponry. There are they are so deep. Even before Julio Jones got there, they're so deep that you could really and like Brant was saying, use him as a, a red zone guy. But if you get later in the year and he's not a hundred percent, you could sit him down and wait. You know, hold him till the playoffs because. Uh, Which is usually what the Falcons ended up doing for the most time, most of the time anyway. I mean, the 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 Bucks have so much uh, depth there at the wide receiver position that they can you know, a guy like Julio that can make an impact here uh, coming in the playoff uh, in the playoffs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They can hold him out and they can sit him, you know, let him make sure he gets fully healthy going into the playoffs to be there, and they w- will not miss a beat because of the depth that they have there. It's just it's amazing that they continue to compile. Um, talent on the offensive side of the ball, and like Ryan said the other day when the news broke, that they are they're going for it this year. This could be the last year with Brady, um, in general for football, but also it could be the last year just uh for the Buccaneers with Brady, uh, as it seemed like he was on the way out last year, but came back, and so you know go for it, trying to get another ring, and you know you don't fault him because he is uh, Julio Jones is getting up there in age, and you know you see him, um. You, you see Julio trying to get a ring there. Another uh, interesting piece, you know, you, you, we talked about the other another one of the NFC South teams, the Carolina Panthers, have a new quarterback uh, with um, Baker Mayfield. I don't know if y'all saw the video yesterday uh, from training camp of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold walking out together. Yeah. And there were so many people yelling, Bake, trying to get Baker's attention, and nobody was yelling for Sam Darnold's attention. Yeah. <laughs> I was like – he. At at some point you you know you feel bad for Sam Darnold, but then also it's like he's probably ex- like you know you think he's about been it. a bad quarterback in the NFL for a little while now. He's, he and he's probably like this is the new guy in town. People want to see him. You know I'm I'm old news, and not as many people care about that I, that I'm walking out here to practice. But I, that that was you know that's an interesting dynamic there. Of what's going to happen with the the Panthers quarterback position? Uh, we saw Brant. You mentioned a little bit ago, but we saw ESPN. Uh, article get posted a little bit ago that it looks like Marcus Mariota, even though it hasn't been that long in a training camp, Marcus Mariota seems to be uh, having his stamp on the Falcons offense and could uh, looking like he's cementing himself early as could right. be the starter for the Falcons mm-hmm. this year. Um, he threw a pass to Felipe Franks earlier. That was a video that got released. So it's a uh, you know, it's a lot of different interesting things that are happening around the National Football League. Much like, I mean, it's a football thing. Much like the SEC quarterbacks are going to be the headlines. The other one that's really jumped out to me at the start of this week is what's going on in San Francisco, right, that we have yeah. yet to bring up. Got about three minutes left here in the hour today. But basically, Kyle Shanahan 
the head coach of the 49ers says, this is Trey Lance's team. We might have that guy named Jimmy Garoppolo, but Trey Lance is our guy, and he named Trey Lance the starting quarterback. Quote, we had an awesome run with Jimmy. It was great. But when you bring in a salary cap and things like that, there are so many tough decisions you have to make, and we made that decision a year ago. And we got to here, and I was so happy with how Jimmy played last year that he took us almost to the Super Bowl, got healthy, guys around him played real well. But this is something that we did last year, knowing where we wanted to go with this franchise and how you balance out a salary cap, how you balance out a roster. And Jimmy gave Trey a year, and I thought he needed just that to get into this league, get his feet wet a little bit. So Trey Lance, not Jimmy Garoppolo, but Trey Lance is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. What do you think of that, Brent? Yeah, very, very weird to have Jimmy Garoppolo take you to one Super Bowl and almost get you to another and then just say, yeah, we're moving on to the next guy. And by the way, this guy is still on our roster. The, the way that Jimmy Garoppolo has been treated for much of his career, I mean, I, I feel like the Patriots kind of did him dirty too, but the, that, the whole Jimmy Garoppolo experience has been kind of a roller coaster because he's never been bad. He's been a decent quarterback. He's never been a, a like a, a major success. He's never been a, wow, look at this guy. He's never been must-see television, but man, he's good. He's good enough to get you to a Super Bowl, you know? And it, it just feels like, man, he's kind of getting screwed, but... You know, I, Trey Lance better be really good. Is all I'm saying. Jimmy, yeah, you're you're taking a big gamble on Trey Lance right now. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarter away from winning a Super Bowl. He got them to the Super Bowl. And was yeah. one quarter away from winning. Should should have Super won Bowl. that Super Bowl for sure. Um, but you know, you you look at it and like uh, you read there, JJ Kyle Shanahan said this was the plan the entire time to get Trey Lance in there, and it's just you know you think about it. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. Like he he's got injury bugs. And he was he was fine when he uh, or he was pretty decent when he came in and replaced Tom Brady for a couple games when Brady was suspended, and then he's been really good at San Francisco. You saw him almost get to a Super Bowl last year, as you were saying, Brant, and uh, was a quarter away from winning a Super Bowl against Kansas City a few years ago. And it's just you know who and now the real question is who needs a quarterback and who are they going to trade him to because. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not going to want to sit around there and watch Trey Lance take his job from him. So where does he go now? Right. We yeah, got to find out. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, what are you thinking as far as like, I want to go somewhere else, but this team is just not trading me. Probably not great thoughts if you're Jimmy G. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the end of this hour of Sports Call. Alongside Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. 
Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress. We hope that you're doing well on this Thursday. Today is July 28th, 2022. Can you believe it? On Monday, it'll be August. Monday is set to be August 1st. The summer is flying by. School is right around the corner for so many which means football season is almost here as well. We're getting closer, we guys. Football. We are getting closer to uh, a lot of fun, like fun things that we enjoy. And football season in the fall would be one of those things fun. Fun that, things we, that enjoy. we enjoy. Fun things that we enjoy. Pretty descriptive way for me to set that up, Brant, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was yeah. going to say, we are, is it officially one week away from the first football game, which is the Hall of Fame game? One week from today, yeah. Yeah, how about that? August I mean, 4th. Sheesh. It is It is here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is here. It is time. Which is which is really exciting. Whose voice was that? Uh, Rafiki from The Lion King. Okay, I like it. Thank um, you. What we want to do right now, as we do at the start of every third hour of Sports Call, is this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, our Daily Show Recap here today on this Thursday. Brooks Childress. Yo. What's happened? Uh, we've had a lot of good talk. We talked about some trade deadline stuff that could be coming around the corner. Some rumors, no news and notes that we've uh, seen across the media waves uh, that could be happening here, especially with the Atlanta Braves. They're looking maybe at a, a new starting pitcher coming in before the trade deadline on Tuesday, or maybe a right-handed bat is what the news going around the league is right now. That's what the Braves are shopping for. Uh, we've also talked math, and specifically yeah. math with football, with our uh, new friend Eric Zweig, uh, who wrote a book um, that is a numbers, it's a numbers game, football, in conjunction with ESPN and uh, Nat Geo Kids, and so you could find that at every one of your fine reading book establishments, as we uh, we mentioned a few, and you can find it online and go to uh, his uh, website, and you could find it there as well. And so there's a lot of we've talked a lot about we we had that interview in the second hour. We talked about some math there too, and um, yeah, we've had just a fun fun little show. We've had a great some great callers on the show today. Hopefully, we can get some more great callers on the lines before this is over with, and. Uh, roll on on a Thursday. If you want to be a part of the show, 334-887-3401. The Braves are not in action tonight. They've got the day off as Atlanta will be taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks for three games at home starting tomorrow. Three games against the D-backs as the Braves are now three games back of the New York Mets, who unfortunately, you know, they had that Subway Series, a quick two-game Subway Series that uh, the Mets were able to beat the Yankees twice. Last night they did it on a walk-off, and the night before they were able to knock off uh, those Yankees too. Max Scherzer did his thing for the Mets. Yeah, and uh, this is a you know an important series because one you don't want to get any further back from the Mets because it does you know they cooled off a little bit, but now they seem to be maybe picking it up and they you know like you said they beat a really good Yankees team uh, two nights in a row. And now you're coming up in a six-game set for the Mets that's very winnable for them. They've got three with the Marlins this weekend and a three against the Nationals. And, um, you know, you if you're the Braves, you've got to set yourself up for success here. You've got to have a good weekend against 
the uh, Diamondbacks, and then you're going into next early next week, and you get the Phillies again, as you just had them this past week. So you've got to you got to set yourself up and have a good week because the Mets are probably going to have a good next six games before the Braves and the Mets meet again, uh, starting next uh, week from today. Actually, next Thursday they'll meet for a, a four game, or I think it's the uh, yeah that's the five the five game set with the doubleheader there on Saturday uh, up in New York. But you know if you're the Braves. You can't mess around this weekend. I know you know you lost two out of three to the Phillies uh, this week. You can't mess around. You've got to go into this weekend because I you know guarantee you the Mets are probably going to win at least four of these uh, six games, if not more, uh, against these teams. And so it, it's a critical moment in this. Uh, the Braves trying to track down the New York Mets here as we head toward uh, the trade deadline and we head toward postseason play at the end of September. What do you want to say about the Braves right now? Uh, they've cooled off a little bit, and I need them to start heating back up. Yes, please. Uh, I, I will say this, man. Uh, the tear that Austin Riley has been on during this, what is he, a 17-game hitting streak now, something like that? Indeed. Uh, he's been on fire. He, he is by far the hottest hitter on the planet. And he's not scraping by with bloop singles on any of these either. He's hitting like 456 during this streak. And he's he's hitting doubles. He's hitting homers. He's missing homers by three feet. Uh, you know, he's he is barreling up the ball right now uh you know there's not a better hitter on, on the planet than austin riley right now and hopefully he can stay hot as like we said the braves are pushing for a playoff spot pushing for the division and uh hopefully that he can stay hot and get us to october like that that's what we need i mean we got to find a way to to get back into i mean right now the wild card is still in play for yes, atlanta absolutely. they're in a really good position in the grand you want to win the division i take pride in winning the division they've won it four years in a row they haven't won it 14 in a row, which is what Atlanta did from 1991 until 2005, when the Braves won 14 straight NL East division titles. Pretty, that's pretty good. Never going to be done again. In pretty, this I mean, that's good. insane what they were able to do. But yet, you still want to find a way to win that division to set yourself back up for postseason. And look, you read the great writers that cover the Braves. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, of, of the Mark Bowmans of the world, and uh, you know all those big Braves coverage. We talked to the Braves Radio Network folks from Kevin McAlpin or Ben Ingram with the play-by-play voice. You're praising what you've seen lately from Austin Riley and Matt Olson, but Ronald Acuna Jr. has been in a bit of a slump. He's not yes. one of the faces of baseball, which he's been known to be. Um, and you know, and and you have to wonder: Does the ACL have something to do with this? Because you miss such a large portion of the season last year. But we need Acuna to get back going. Yeah, absolutely. And anytime you have a guy coming off a major injury like tearing your ACL and you have a a recovery time that is about a calendar year, uh, it, it is tough. And, you know, people, a lot of people are criticizing Ronald, and you have to realize that coming back from an injury like that is so hard. And, you know, you, you look at Mike Soroka, another guy coming off a major injury, actually two major injuries back-to-back, and hopefully he can uh, – he can overcome that as well. But I, I think Ronald's going to get going at some point. Uh, it really just seems like he's behind on the fast stuff and he's ahead of the slow stuff. Uh, and at some point you've got it. I think his bat is going to find his rhythm. His rhythm is just a little bit off. And I think he's going to get to that point. He's going to get hot at some point. And when he does, uh, you know, honestly, if he can hover around 260, 270, and then when you get to the postseason, he gets hot, great. Because if you get a hot Ronald Acuna Jr., in the playoffs, I good luck everyone else. As a player, do you think being benched for a day would get you going? Because that's what you for see. For me? Right, yeah. That's what you see. And he was not in the lineup yesterday. 
a quick turnaround as they moved Michael Harris the second all the way up to the leadoff spot. You had yeah. Cano hitting eighth, and then Michael Ford, Mike Ford, um, hitting ninth in the order for the uh, for the Braves. You think that would get you? Because for sometimes it seems to work, but then I don't know. I, I guess I, you just I need think, to get out of it for a day, maybe, or is is being benched going to make you think about it even more? I think with, I mean, it, it depends on the way it's handled. If the if the manager comes to me and is just like, "Hey, you're not playing today. We're get, we're going to give you we're going to give you the day. Uh, we're going to give this other guy uh, a chance to bat." Um, that would sit with me a little bit weird. But if my manager came to me and was just like, "Hey, we're taking you out of the lineup today. Your bat's been a little bit cold. Take a day, think about it, and we'll get you back in the in the lineup tomorrow." You know, it's all about how the Braves handle it. It's not just what is this action. It's it's how is this action handled. And I think Snicker handles Acuna pretty well. Uh, I think those two have a good rapport of old man who's kind of trying to rein in this rum, yeah. rambunctious child uh and and i certainly think that their dynamic works uh, it has worked so far so i think going forward that uh i, I think acuna is I, I i don't know if benching him is going to make him suddenly hit 320 but i i think it i don't think it's a bad move and i think that uh snickers probably handled it the right way we'll talk about the fact also that uh, that manager Brian Snicker Tuesday night celebrated his 500th win yep. as a, as the Braves skipper. Yeah. Tell me how as you feel. As a major league manager, I think he has like what 5000 yeah. in the minors because he was down there for like 40 <laughs> forever years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a number of years as a third base coach for the Braves. Uh, I don't think he was as exciting as Ron Washington can no be. No one is. No one is. No you're one right. is as exciting. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's spent so many years as a minor league manager. Brooks, tell me how you're thinking when you uh, when you think about this benching versus does that get you going or just what what thoughts do you have? I think you know I don't think benching gets you going. That's what I mean. If if you are a fringe player and it's you know it's. If you're a guy that's not an everyday starter, that's not a, you know, you're not, if LeBron is in a, I'm, you know, this is a stretch, <laughs> but if LeBron is in a slump, you're not benching LeBron. You're going to let him work through it. And so it's like, if you're a, a, a top of the line all-star type, type player, like an Acuna is, I don't think you bench him and say, hey, you know, wake up, you got to do better. I think you let him work through it and, uh, you know, get back into the swing of things. Cause he, you know, at, at some point he's going to figure it out. He's too good of a player not to figure it out. And so, you know, he keeps working with the with the coaching staff and keeps working with his hitting coaches. He's going to figure it out. Now, if you're a you're a, you know a guy that's kind of like a platoon guy at a, any position, you know, X player, if he's not doing well, then you're like, hey, there's some other guys that could take your spot. So we're going to sit you down for a couple days, and you know, you you got to work, you know, try to earn your way back into that lineup. But if you're an all star level player, I, I don't, you know. I don't think benching does anything. I think you just got to let them work through it. And then even some of the fringe guys, you kind of let it, need to let them work through it. At some point, though, with the, with more fringe guys, you uh, you do have to take a step and like there are other guys that can play better than you. We're gonna we're gonna put someone else in it. But if you're an all star caliber player, you just got to because they're gonna he's gonna figure it out. Yeah, Ronald Acuna is going to figure it out here at some point this season. And when he does, watch out. You know, it's he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be doing. Hopefully, doing what Aaron Judge has been doing in the leadoff spot for the Yankees, and he's been stealing bases. Yeah, right. I mean, he's he's. But it is fair to bring up the fact that I mean, this guy's coming off of a major injury. Yeah. Believe me, I've I've been through that torn ACL process. I I, I yeah. do not want anybody to have to experience something like that. And, and yet, for Acuna to be struggling the way in which he has, 
you're right. It just feels like we know this guy is, is capable of, of jumping out of this. So hopefully he's able to do that. Again, the Braves will be back in action on Friday. That's tomorrow when they take on the Arizona Diamondbacks for a three-game series. A Thursday edition of Sports Call, as we've got a lot going on in the world of sports. Major League Baseball's trade deadline is here in a few days, and then also we've got the start of fall camp at the end of next week. Auburn basketball, they're also getting set to head to Israel. They will have a couple of practices today, tomorrow, and Saturday, and then they hop on a flight, fellas, and they're heading over to Israel, and they're going to get three games over there. I'm excited to get this opportunity and really excited that the games are going to be broadcast on television for folks to see. Yeah, this is such a really cool opportunity, not just to uh, not just to go play basketball against a, an Olympic team that is really, really good on the world stage. A lot of these Olympic teams, there's not, there's not enough competition there, you know, most major college teams can whip up on you know some of the 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 smaller countries basketball teams but the israeli national team is really really good uh from a global standpoint but you know you don't just have an opportunity to go play good basketball you get to go across you get to go overseas you know you get to exit the country you know you get to go see another way of life and you know having been out of the country myself and seeing a, a different culture that is nothing like the one I'm from was really an eye-opening experience, but it also made the world feel smaller. Sure. You know, uh, going to I, I went to Brazil uh, a couple of years ago. I've been twice, and sure. uh, it was a. It, it's really different. You know, a language barrier is, is a thing that you have to overcome, and but you know, it, it, there are some things that are universal, like smiling and laughing, and you know, it, even uh, you know, just smiling and nodding at somebody. You know, it is is a polite way of saying, hey, things like that um, that really do uh, cross cultural borders. But at the same time, you know, you have different languages, you have different customs, you have the food, you know, the, <laughs> the food was such a thing for for me to experience. So going over going to a different country and experiencing uh, different things is, is so cool. We've got uh, this team obviously heading to Israel. I just looked it up for folks out there. Atlanta to Israel, which the Tigers will depart from Hartsville-Jackson International and, and head over that way to Tel Aviv. 13 hours and 45 minutes up on a plane. Yeah. It's a long and, time. And so you said they're going... a long time. They're stopping in LaGuardia, right? From from Hartsville-Jackson to LaGuardia? I believe so. I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I've actually made that flight. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've gone from Atlanta to LaGuardia. Uh, my family went on vacation to New York a couple years ago. But that's not bad. It's about a three-hour flight. But yeah, I assume flying over the ocean As soon to, as you get the to get to Israel, involved, yeah. It, it takes it's about a little 10 bit of time. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. I've done the the um, U.S. to Spain flight, really? and I never thought we were going to land. <laughs> we obviously did. Everything I'm was trying. so smooth and so safe, but it's like, man, this is this is a long time. I'm trying to remember how long the Brazil flights were. I think it's 17 hours. Yeah, from uh, Atlanta to Sao Paulo, and then you know you have to. We got on a bus for another five hours, and that was an adventure itself. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, those were fun times. It's but just yeah, going to be good flying. To see this- Flying is something. Anyway, continue. It's just going to be good to see this team play against competition and and because there yes. are so many new faces on this Auburn team, but also a lot of the same faces. I think the roles are different with this team because Very. you had, hey, let's get the ball to Jabari. He's really yeah. good at basketball. Walker Jabari is a and lock Walker. threat at yeah. the rim. And now you're going to be able to feature more players. Yeah, I think the offensive game of this team is going to be a little bit more diverse. Maybe I'm not saying it's going to be better, but I think you're going to have more options. You've got another year that uh, you've got a year of experience under the belt of these guards. You know, Wendell Green Jr. and KD Johnson and Zepp Jasper, uh, even though Zepp was already kind of the old man. Um, but all three of these guys 
were kind of second fiddles to the front court last year. And the front court is now gone. So it's their turn their turn to step up. They're older. They're more experienced. They've been in the SEC for a year. Katie Johnson has been a starter in the SEC for a full year now after being a bench guy at Georgia his freshman year. And I think that those guys are going to step up for these younger uh, front court players. But I will say I'm very excited to see guys like Janai Broom and uh, I, I can't remember. Yoan uh, Treor. Yoan uh, I, I, or guys that I'm very excited to see. Uh, and I think Treor has a chance to be a really impressive offensive player. And then, you know, you have Jalen Williams coming back. This Auburn team is not going to be as talented at the top. Uh, as last year's team, but I think top to bottom, it has a chance to be uh, as good for sure. I'm really, and, you, and you'll have more options. I'm really excited to watch this team. We got to hear what uh, we got to hear from Bruce Pearl earlier this week, uh, and him and Roxy Bernstein, and Jay Billis, the two ESPN guys that are going to be over there um, with the basketball team. But what Bruce was saying is that you know you you got a lot of guys going over there. And this is going to be their first time playing for Auburn. He's he's got, got some transfer guys in there, but also you're you're not going to have all of the, uh, the entirety of your offense in. He said they're not going to have the entirety of their their you know plays in their offense defense. They're going to be running very base stuff over there. So you know if you're looking for oh this is how everything's going to look now they still got a lot to put in. He also made the point to say hey the rotations you see on the on the court they're not necessarily going to be what you see this fall because you still got you've still got the rest of August you've still got September you've got October and then you got the beginning of November to figure out who his starting five is going to be he said there's going to be um, you know different probably different rotations every single game and there may be even be uh, you know out of the three games there may he said there you may be see the possibility of one guy playing in this game but not even dressing out for the next game it's there, there's going to be so much so this is going to be a great learning experience for the Auburn basketball team is going to be a great way to get them to play together as a team against a very competitive uh, opponents and you're you got a guy that you're going to play against that plays the Washington National or Washington Nationals the Washington Wizards uh, one of the Israeli basketball players plays for the Wizards and it's they're playing against high level talent over there but when it comes to the 2022-23 basketball team they're still working through a lot of things. So whatever you see over there is not necessarily what you're going to see come November. And it seems like a perfect opportunity for us to have radio show overreactions to every single thing on Absolutely. the floor. That's Absolutely. what we're looking for this Wendell time Green year. is going to hit 1-3 one, one from super deep, and we're like, yeah, he's he's the next Curry. Yeah. He's Steph. We'll hear it. We'll hear he's all better, about he's it. Better we'll talk than Steph, all about it. We'll do things. Yeah, make that known. Um, we've got a break coming up. We will be back in just a moment. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. This is Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, it's Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brandon Daughtry and Brooks Childress. Been a fun show for you, and we're back on the air tomorrow, a Friday show coming your way talking about the Braves getting set for a series with the Diamondbacks we'll have some Auburn football thoughts Auburn basketball commentary 
and more. We'll have some guests joining the program as well. So stay tuned for that coming your way tomorrow on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. I promise you that. It usually is. What else is fun is a nightly TV guide. And we do that at the end of every single show. So let's get to it. Here is the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide. It's brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. It's your turn, Brooks. Hey, it is. What is uh, what's on television tonight? Well, I will give you two movie picks for you this evening. Seven o'clock on FX. It's Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, if you ain't first or last, I like it. Banger. And at 7.15 on... I have seen that movie. That's thank, a big good one. Thank you. Um, at 7.15 on TNT, it is Kingsman, The Secret Service. Phenomenal movie. I have, I have seen not, that one. I have not seen that one. I actually. have not seen the sequels in that series. Correct. But I have seen the first one. I have not seen the sequels either. And I, I was really it. excited for them, too, and I just never watched them. Yeah, never got around to it. And I think was that be around a, pandemic time is when those started to come out? No, they started, like started right coming before? out. Uh, way before. Yeah, they was started way coming before? out way before, yeah. Uh, the sequels, I, think, I mean. Didn't I think the sequel one of come them, out right before? I think one of them may have come out either right before or right after. The King's okay. Man. Yeah. I think that one, that was like the third okay. one. In, in like, then, and But that one is also like a prequel. Fair enough. I'm and glad so, I'm not going crazy and then I'm just, you know. Are you a, are you a fan of spy movies, Brian? Uh, I am, actually. You'd be a fan of these movies. Then. All right. Uh, that is your movie picks for the evening. Sports okay. picks for you tonight. Starting at 6 o'clock on ESPN2, the TBT tournament rolls on from Dayton, Ohio, as Florida TNT takes on Americana for art, for autism. That's the first game. Then at 8 o'clock, it's the 33-point contest from TBT's top scores to showcase the 33-point contest from Dayton, Ohio. So one game and then a 33-point contest okay. right after that. Uh, 6.30 on ESPNU, Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse continues with Week 2 action as Team Marino takes on Team Arsenault. Uh, should be some fun lacrosse action there. MLB action tonight, 7 o'clock on FS1. The Mariners take on the Houston Astros, two very uh, powerful teams. They hit a lot of home runs, both of those teams. Uh, I think they played up in Seattle this past weekend, and so now they're down in Houston for the return trip, and that is what is on television tonight. I'll give you a streaming pick for a bonus pick tonight. Finished, I've got one too. I finished two series. Okay. You know, since uh, uh, since I last gave a streaming pick, Brent, he's going to say they're both phenomenal. They are both phenomenal. Yeah. If you've never seen, and I've mentioned this three or four times because I've you know every season that's gone by, I've watched it. The marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime. Hmm. Phenomenal, Good stuff. hilarious. I I think the fourth season is the funniest, which is the one they just put out. I think it's the most. That is the funniest one they've done. All right, so check that out on Amazon Prime. And then the other one is if you're way behind on your Marvel like I am. Hawkeye just finished that up last week. Great series. Really? It's very, very interesting. It, <laughs> I would say it's probably number three in my Marvel series behind WandaVision and Loki. My I streaming really, pick really enjoyed it. lately has been Alone. <clears throat> alone on Netflix. Is that the one where they History drop people? Channel a series. They just drop people in the wilderness? They drop people in the wilderness. Ten people. And all, you're given a couple of supplies... But you've got to fish for your food. You're in Alaska. There are grizzly bears everywhere. And nope. how long can you be alone with no other human interaction I'm and assuming you, you have to film yourself? Yes, you have nice. to film yourself. Some people so, that's cool. go 100 plus days yeah, I was gonna say, is out there, in the wilderness. Is there like a, a 
prize? Five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. All right. And so yes. And is there a, a large like, prize? If I'm, if I, you know, you drop me in the the Alaskan wilderness, and I'm like, I'm done after a day. Do I just like pop a flare or like? They have a one GPS phone that you, and you can make call. The call and be like, hey, get me out of here. And then thanks to the GPS phone, they're able to come pick you okay. up and get you. So I was yes. gonna say, if I'm, if I'm, you know, you drop me out there, I think I could survive and after, like three days. After, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like a week at most. After thirty days, yeah, you have weekly check-ins with doctors. So then you start to, because, you know, people are dropping like 50 pounds of weight. Sure. Because they're stubborn and they want to win 500,000. But then it's like, hey, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. You got to go watch Alone. It's on Netflix, originally from the History Channel. Brooks, thanks for being here. Absolutely, sir. Brant, always good to see you. Thank you for having me. And that does it for today's show. Thanks to Eric Zweig for being on Sports Call as well. That's going to do it for our show. For Brant Autry and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.